Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program where we will always be shaken and not stirred in honor of the recent passing of one of our heroes, Sean Connery. Will anyone ever be that cool again? I don't think so. Today on the program, my guest is Dawn S. Kirk, and she's written a wonderful book called Heartbeat Leadership, Empower Yourself, Engage Your Team, Impact Your Organization, and uh, we'll have a conversation about that book and some of her other experiences, and I'll have a leadership and business lesson on strategy coming up for you of my own a little bit later on. It's all today on Better Than Before, brought to you by University Subaru, from here, been here, always will be here, University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight passengers. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 27 miles per gallon. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted and best overall brand for 2020. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and today I'm welcoming Dawn S. Kirk. She's coached, trained, and developed over 10,000 associates in Fortune 100 companies for over 25 years. She's held senior executive positions with Frito-Lay and Coca-Cola, where she came to understand that companies don't have to choose between profits and people. There's a different way and a better way. Dawn is also the author of the brand new book, Heartbeat Leadership, Empower Yourself, Engage Your Team, Impact Your Organization. And I definitely want to talk about the book today. As a successful African-American female in corporate America, her unique perspective has shaped her approach to what most people think of when they hear the word diversity. Dawn calls it little d diversity, skin color, ethnicity, gender, age, but diversity is bigger than that. What Dawn calls big D diversity, background, life experiences, education, and culture. 
Leaders who understand and know how to leverage the big D can make their teams and organizations vibrant and lead to higher engagement and greater productivity. In short, business results are all about people. As Don puts it, every problem we face as leaders is ultimately a people problem. And uh, I'm extremely excited to welcome Don S. Kirk to the program. Don, how are you today? I am wonderful. How are you? Great, great. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. Great. And I want to talk to you in depth a little bit about the book. But before we get started on that, tell us a little bit about your background. So you worked at Frito-Lay and Coca-Cola, right? I did. I did. So again, spent 26 years in corporate America. Um, 18 and a half of the, those years were at Frito-Lay and the last eight were at Coca-Cola. And during that time had a variety of different roles, you know, from sales to marketing, to finance, to operations, and of course, senior executive level roles at both organizations. And simultaneously, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. Since the age of 12 is when I started my very first business, running a lawn mowing business, if you can believe that. I sure can. I started the same way. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so entrepreneurship runs in my blood. It runs in my family. Um, And then I've been very active in my church and professional organizations and nonprofits my entire life as well. So I've seen leadership from a variety of different perspectives, corporate, professional, personal, and I'm just passionate about leadership and the influence that that you get to to use when you're a great leader. As a matter of fact, I bought my first motorcycle mowing lawns and I bought my first car uh, hauling square bales of hay. So, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. I was taught entrepreneurship from, you know, I had a I had on my website or on my Facebook or somewhere, I had a a note that I had from my grandfather for $700 uh, that he gave me in 1974, where I borrowed $700 from him. And then all the payments are on there and they're all marked off when I made a payment. Oh, Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So believe me, they started teaching me from the time I think I took the pacifier out of my mouth. Uh, what was your look at you today oh well yeah maybe you don't want to do that but um, what was your biggest surprise working in a company the size of Frito-Lay or Coca-Cola what was the biggest surprise that's a great question Um, I think my biggest surprise is that large organizations both of them extremely large organizations sometimes experience great success in spite of themselves that was my biggest surprise Mm. So, and it's like, wow, you know what? You don't have to get it all great and perfect. You can still do extremely well. But what if we really, really, really understood the power of leadership and people? How much more successful could organizations be? Yeah, yeah. Well, those are two outstanding brands that have years and years of momentum. That's just sort of like waves of the ocean carrying them along. It would take it would take quite a mess up to alter the momentum of, of either one of those. How much work was it writing your first book? Um, it was a decent amount. So I've been writing things, you know, behind the scenes for quite some time. The biggest amount of work was just to get my mindset right to go write it. I had been urged by colleagues and friends for a long time, like, when are you going to write a book? And I kept resisting it and um, finally decided, you know what? I don't have anything to lose. Let me go after it. Um, So worked on it overall. It was about a year process, 18 months. And I think you told me the other day you were already thinking about your second one, right? 
I have to the point where I've already submitted to my publisher uh, my outline for my second book prior to the first one officially launching. So yes, I'm ready to go now. The momentum and the juices are now flowing. So the, the name of this first book is called Heartbeat Leadership. Tell me a little bit about what was it that you really wanted to get across with, with writing the book? The number one thing I really wanted to get across um, when I wrote this book was that leadership is about people, period. It's not about anything else. It's not about the titles that you hold. It's not about how much money you're making. It's not about how much power that you have. At the end of the day, it's about people and your ability to lead through people um, and not you know, treat people as less than. So in the book, I love how you, you've broken this out um, and the way you've connected the terms with the, the title of the book. So you say in the book there are um, six pulses uh, and, and they all start with P also. And I'd like to walk through, would it be okay if we walk through each one of these and you just kind of give us a synopsis of each one? I'm sure. All right. So the first one is priorities, which is the purpose of leadership. What's the, what's the uh, main thrust behind the priorities pulse? The main thrust behind the priorities pulse is the fact that you have to be clear on what's important at any given time as a leader. And in the book, I really talk about this in kind of three phases. One is about yourself. So what is it that's really important to you at the end of the day? And then when it comes to leading a team, as the leader, you have to be crystal clear on what the team should be working on. Because as you know, there are a million priorities coming at people every single day. And if we leave it up to our teams to figure it out, we're likely not to achieve the goals that we've set out for the team to achieve if everybody is deciding on their own what's most important. Yes, I, I, I'm constantly am preaching that superior performers have a formula in mind all the time. It's W-I-N, what's important right now. Right now, exactly. And then the last component is you got to make sure the, your personal priorities, the team priorities ultimately line up with the organizational priorities um, so that you have alignment, you know, from beginning to end. And that's when the magic really happens and results can be replicated over time. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing, and I've experienced this a few times, especially in my management career where you really busted your butt and you really worked hard climbing the mountain and then you get to the top and you're like, oops, we're on the wrong mountain. Wrong mountain. Yeah. All right. So the second P or the second pulse is preparation, the energy of leadership. Yeah. So preparation is, you know, in its, in its definition is just that it really is about what's necessary to move from where you are to where you want to go whether that's individually, as a team, or as an organization. And nine times out of 10, it requires some level of preparation, whether that is a new skill that you might need to get there, whether it's preparing the communication plan to get there. Regardless, you have to have a plan and you need to prepare it um, in advance. So the third pulse is, is really the whole message of the book is really around people, the power of leadership, right? Absolutely. So this is all about making sure that you have the right people in the right place. But even more importantly, that those folks are truly 
um, on the same page with you, that they're engaged, that they're excited, that they share the values and goals and dreams that, that you do as an organization and as the leader of the team. And that you get nothing done as a leader by yourself. You have to get it done through other people. I know I'll be preaching to the choir, but there, I don't even know how many times I've sat with either a CEO or with a leader of a business, an entrepreneur, and they're going down their list of problems, right? We got this problem, we got this problem, we got this problem, and, and this problem. And then it's kind of frustrating to them that I'm like, there's one answer to all of those problems. Talent fixes all that. It does. Right. It and does. so uh, what a great message in this book about, you know, people are your competitive advantage. All right. So the fourth pulse is processes, the drivers of leadership. Yeah, I thought it was important to include this one because the number one barrier that I hear from leaders is really around time. It's like, OK, I get it. Of course, people are important, but I, I can't spend all this time with my people and still drive results. And so I put processes in here because I believe you have to be able to do both. And the best way to achieve the focus that you need on people and the focus you need on driving results is you have to have a process and a system to ensure the right focus on all of these things. So I believe heavily that you have to schedule the appropriate time to stay engaged with your team, to make sure you're available for them for support. But at the same time, you have to continue to make sure you're spending the right time on driving the business forward. So I talk a lot about how do you build this collaborative environment? How do you build in checks and balances to have the right conversations individually and collectively as a team? Yes. And, and success measurements too. You talk about how do we know that we're making progress, right? How do we, Correct. how do we measure this? And then how do we make sure that we are keeping up with our wins? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's something that I think a lot of business leaders fail to do. They see obstacles and they see issues and problems so clearly, but they forget to when there's progress made or when something significant happens, why don't we celebrate that more? Exactly. And, and what happens when you don't is that you get disengagement. You get like, hey, is anything ever enough? Um, and so you've got to balance the feedback, right? The good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and, and to keep people in the game. Nobody wants to keep getting beat down every day about just more, more, more without any recognition of the hard work and effort that's been done so far. And I think the other, the other mistake we make sometimes is that because sometimes we only look at the results, we don't recognize the effort. And what I've always um, been a big believer of is that so many times our metrics are what we call lag metrics versus lead metrics. And many times we just need to focus more on the right activities and the outcomes will eventually come. We don't control the outcomes. We control our effort and in, in working on the right activities that should lead to the right outcomes. Absolutely. You know, I, I grew up um, in athletics also mm -hmm. and uh, coaches, coaches were constantly telling us, do not pay attention to the score. Yep. Um, always pay attention to how we are doing on each individual thing we're supposed to be doing and the score will take care of itself, right? If we execute what we're supposed to do, the score will, you know, will at the end of the game, it'll be what we want it to be. And, and that is so true. One more thing I want to get your per perspective on. 
uh, just occurred to me while you were talking about celebrating wins. Um, and this is something I try to do as an executive coach as much as possible. As a matter of fact, I, I, I write it down on my little sheet as I'm going through my meeting with my client. But do you think that a lot of higher level leaders or team leaders, they don't celebrate wins because no one is celebrating them or no one's telling them a good job? I think that definitely has um, definitely has an impact. And I would say that's true. Because even as, even as a leader myself, as much as I was focused on people, I had to be very intentional to call out the wins because it's very easy to just get drawn into, we missed the number, or this is the next number we have to go hit and not pausing. So, you know, even though I was really focused on it, I had to make sure that I was taking time to celebrate the wins as well. So I think that is a key factor that upstream, if it's not happening, then they feel like it's not important. You bet. All right. The fifth pulse is performance. We talked a little bit about this, the metrics of leadership. Yes. Obviously, we're all in business to drive results. So we have to have, you know, the right metrics that we're focused on and measure ourselves against it to ensure that the activities and the things that we're working on are delivering what we expect them to deliver. And you have to have metrics. Otherwise, you have no idea if you're being effective or ineffective. So then the sixth pulse is promotion, the growth of leadership. Yeah, so this one is really around, and the, the name could be a little misleading because I'm sure that most people are thinking about, okay, I'm getting promoted to the next level. And while that is important, I'm really speaking more around providing exposure for your team. So as, as a leader, it's easy to take all the credit when things are going well, um, but you also have to take the responsibility when things are not. But your real job as a leader is to really help others achieve their goals and objectives and help highlight what they're doing well and help them get the exposure that they need um, to, to grow as leaders as well. So your job is to replicate leadership. So as I'm looking at each or these as collectively, these six pulses, I'm curious about, again, from your perspective, where do we make our mistakes more often, I guess? Which one of these are we, do, we tend not to focus on? Wow. And you're going to make me pick one. Well, I don't um, want to pick. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to. I know they're like your six little pea kids. Yes, but, uh, yes, yes. There's no favorites. No, but there are. You know what? The one question I get asked often is like, if you had to sum up one thing that you think really enabled your success in leadership throughout your career, what would it be? And as I look through this list, it might surprise you, but preparation is a big one. Because I find I, I've, I have witnessed that so many times we're just reacting to things versus responding, which means we need to pause for a minute, stop and really think and prepare what we're going to do next and be very intentional. And so I think if we did more of the preparation and pausing, that a lot of these other things would become more second nature. It's just that our pace is so fast that we're not pausing long enough to prepare and be intentional. All right. So you talked about how you had to sort of make sure you were prompted yourself to celebrate wins inside this framework uh, of the six P's. How did you use this when you were in corporate leadership? I used it every single day. Um, so I tell people that 
you know, it wasn't conscious in these steps to be quite honest with you. Sure. I created the steps kind of in reflection because I was always asked like, how did you do it? Like, how would you teach somebody else to do this? If you're off track and you want to do this better, what steps would you give me? So in reflection of some of my toughest leadership challenges, these were the things that I ended up doing um, to, to get through those. So every single day I was doing one of these things and it always started with people always started with people, no matter what the problem was, I would go talk to my team first, ask a lot of questions and really determine what needed to happen next. So that priorities piece was always on my mind. Like there's 10 things we could go do. We can't do them all. Which one's going to have the biggest impact and making sure that was crystal clear all the time. Mm. Um, and, and I changed, the, the one thing I'll tell you is I changed jobs quite a bit. So over 26 years, I had like 16 different roles. You know, half of them were lateral changes and 50% of them were promotions. And so if I did not adopt this framework, I would honestly tell you, I think I would have failed miserably. And of course I had, you know, several huge challenges that I had to work through, but it really helped me transition quickly, get up to speed quickly and to have impact quickly by following these six steps. Tell me a little uh, bit about, and of course, let's maintain confidentiality and right. anonymity as much as possible where clients are concerned. But do you have a story uh, that where you've used this with a client? Like, how's this been successful with one of your uh, people you're coaching? Yeah, so I will, I'll share a story where I had a, a client who was taking on a, a brand new role in a new organization. And the... Uh, organization that they were going to did not have an onboarding plan, did not give a roadmap at all. And we went through these six P's to help that person onboard effectively into this new role, um, to learn the culture as quickly as possible, to assess where they were with the people on their team, to understand what the situation was in the organization. So they understood whether it's a turnaround, whether it was a sustain and grow, um, as well as what were the key metrics of success? How were they going to be evaluated in their first 100 days on the job? And as a result of this, two things happened. The individual felt like they had a great head start moving into the role. And number two, they got great feedback within their first 100 days of how quickly they were able to come in, learn, assimilate with the team and get to know the team and start driving some results. That's wonderful. So we're in this um, COVID world uh, still. And so a lot of my clients have a lot of employees that are still working virtually mm -hmm. um, from home or remote location. So how do you see this approach uh, working uh, in a virtual environment? Is it the same? Do you modify it? How does it work? I really think it's the same. And I, I was asked this question in another um, interview and I said, you know, I think it's even more imperative now that we have a lot of teams working virtually than it would have been pre um, COVID. I think it's gonna require a lot more intentionality because you're not seeing people on a routine basis. So you're gonna have to have a more detailed plan on how you're going to reach your team effectively. And again, that preparation piece it's really going to be critical on mapping out your plan on how you're going to stay in touch, how you're going to engage, how you're going to continue to drive the right focus on results. 
And probably most importantly, how are you going to reach them from a personal standpoint? Let's face it, there's a lot of um, folks that are dealing with some significant challenges as a result of working from home. For example, if you're a parent and you have children on a digital learning plan right now, you're probably a lot more engaged in that process than you've ever had to be while still trying to balance the demands of your job. Um, if you're like myself, I'm an entrepreneur and I have, you know, three or four other people in the house now all competing for, you know, bandwidth in the house and having calls that we're trying to find quiet places where we can't hear each other's conversations. So there's a lot of extra distractions and dynamics going on. And the leader that can understand that, have conversations about it and quite candidly be vulnerable about their challenges as well, I think we'll really be able to reach their teams, continue to strive and thrive throughout this time frame. You know, um, one of the things, uh, when I read your bio, I got real excited because <laughs> I love, I love how you break out the little D and the big D. Mm -hmm. uh, can you pontificate on that just a little bit more for our listeners? Because this is a topic that I think people are wary to talk about. Yeah. Because they, I really believe, and of course, I always believe the best in people. I'll go on record saying I'm biased. <laughs> I, I tend to love people more than distrust them. So in my way of thinking, I'm thinking people are more afraid of making a mistake or saying the wrong thing where this is concerned than they are about, um, you know, that that's, that's the driving force behind their, um, oh, how would you put it, their uh, reluctance to talk about this or put forth thoughts. So can you talk a little bit about the little diversity, little D versus the big D and how you sort of flip this around so that could be something that leaders could embrace? Yeah, yeah. And this, this time frame, I think, has really highlighted the, the sensitivity around little D and big D, right? Um, so let me first say this, that my overarching philosophy about diversity and inclusion, whether you're talking little d or big d, for me is fundamentally a leadership issue. And the reason I say that is because, again, in the beginning, I said leadership is about people. So I really feel like if you truly, truly, truly value people, that the conversations around little d's and big d's becomes easier to have because you don't see, you don't see these real differences. So in my experience, you know, the little D is really about what I can see. Those are the obvious things, you know, whether, you know, what ethnicity you are, whether you're male or female, um, whether you're black or white or Asian or Hispanic, that's what I mean. That, that you just may be different from me in some way. Correct. That I can obviously see. Yeah, that's, that's what visible. Little D is. Yeah, it's, it's visible. Yes. These are visible differences. The big Ds are the things that you wouldn't, you can't see visibly. You won't know about those differences unless we're engaging in some type of conversation, unless we are building some type of relationship and we get to know each other, would you be able to see the additional uh, differences on culture, background, experiences, you know, points of view, you know, what shaped my point of view versus your point of view? Those are the big D things. But at the end of the day, the big D and the little D in combination make us all very unique we all still have a significant amount of value to add to the marketplace, the workplace, our personal relationships. And it's just going to require us to take the courage to, to get to know each other better. It's been my experience. Um, and so I, I want to make the conversation comfortable. And I do agree with you that 
people are more afraid of saying the wrong thing. And so therefore they say nothing. But I would also say the unintended messaging of saying nothing is that people don't care. Right. And so how do we bridge that gap, right? So that we don't have unintended consequences of, okay, they don't care, as well as how do we give a little more grace to people to say, I want to care. I have a point of view. I'd like to share. I may not know enough. I might not say the right thing, but help me understand. Yes. And again, that's the beauty of let's just have a conversation and respect each other's starting point. Yeah. And I, I just think one thing that plays into that so much that I think is difficult for people is the generational differences mm-hmm. where words that meant something to someone who grew up in the 60s and 70s, they don't take on that same meaning for people who grew up in the 90s and the 2000s. You know, it, words you've used your whole life and I'm not talking about obvious things. I'm talking mm-hmm. about things that don't occur to you in your everyday language. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I think that can be an issue too sometimes. I mean, who really sits around? And maybe people do this. I don't know. I, I'll have to say I don't. Who mm-hmm. sits around and reads the current <laughs> language dictionary <laughs> about how the word meanings have changed or whatever? We just live in a busy world where we're going 100 miles an hour, and it'd be wonderful if we could take your advice and just have some trust and understanding about the motives of it all. Absolutely. And just, and, and you know what? I, again, I use the word grace because I think sometimes we automatically take the um, stance that everything was intentional, everything had a malicious motive. And I don't believe it does, but if we just pause long enough to at least ask a question. So if you said something to me that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, I've got a couple options. I can just say nothing and just assume and write you off because you made that comment. Or I can kindly say, hey, could, could you explain to me what you meant by that? And then let you know that this is how it came across to me. And you might say, gosh, I, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. And now I've educated you, you understand my point of view, and we can continue to move on and, and have a relationship versus building this wall um, in a further divide with no conversation being had. So the title of Don's book is Heartbeat Leadership, uh, Empower Yourself, Engage Your Team, Impact Your Organization. And um, I know as an author myself, when you start out on this labor of love, and it, 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 that's what it is when you write a book. Uh, and you, you start out with this hope that this book is going to get into somebody's hands and it's going to help them or change them in some way. H- how do you hope this helps or changes people who might get your book and read it? Well, I really hope it changes people from the standpoint, again, that leadership is about people. And if you're in a leadership position, I just want people to just to pause and reflect and say, am I leading from a heart perspective? Am I leading with a people first lens to ensure that the responsibility that I've been given, that I'm being a good steward of that? And am I really helping other people be in a better position than before I I began to lead this team? You know, we've been talking about heartbeat. We've been talking about pulses. Uh, I feel like we've been to business biology class today. (laughs) And you've been a wonderful doctor. Well, thank you. Uh, Hey, I've got these questions that I ask every person who comes on the show. uh, And I want to run you through these here before uh, you uh, tell people how to get the book and how to go to your website and all that. Would that be okay? 
that'll be fine. All right. Question number one. What is the best memory that comes to mind for you? Oh, my goodness. Childbirth. How many children do you have? Two. Oh, good. Well, who's the number one hero in your life? My dad. And his name? Roy. And what Roy do for a living? He was a mechanical engineer for John Deere for 35 years and um, entrepreneur as well. Another wonderful brand and company. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the top value you subscribe to? Faith. Uh, most important person in your life? Most important person in my life? My husband. And his name? Tony. Well, what a wonderful name. Uh, uh, what's your favorite thing in the whole world favorite thing in the whole world jeez learning great me too um what's your favorite food pizza any particular flavor brand kind um uh, italian sausage and pepperoni right on you knew that one right on (laughs) most beautiful place you've ever been to hawaii any particular island? We went to the big island and to Maui. So I'd say Maui. Oh, wonderful. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Um, one word. Authenticity. How do you want to be remembered? Servant. If you could go back and talk to a very young Dawn, what would be the advice for her? Live according to your core values. What's your favorite sound? Jazz. Oh, man, you are awesome. (laughs) Any particular artist? Oh, gosh, I like um, Kim Waters, Gerald Albright. Um, So you're more of a modern jazz fan, right? Correct. Yeah, Yeah. I'm more of a classic jazz fan. I love Charlie Parker. I love okay. Charlie Parker. I love Dizzy Gillespie. I love John Coltrane, all those people. Okay. Miles Davis. Um, last one. What's the best lesson you've learned? Best lesson I've learned. Stay true to yourself. Wonderful. Don S. Kirk, the book's Heartbeat Leadership. Don, how do people find out more about you? They can just go to my website, which is heartbeatleadershipbook.com. So there you can purchase the book. You can download a free chapter if you just want to sample through it. And then you can also reach out to me if you'd like to um, indulge in a 30-minute free consultation about your greatest leadership challenge. Well, that's awesome. Listen, thanks so much for doing this today. You've got a busy schedule, and I I appreciate you um, uh, taking the time to allow our listeners to have access to you. Well, thank you for having me on. Don Kirk, the book is Heartbeat Leadership. I'll be back with more on Better Than Before right after this. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight passengers. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 27 miles per gallon. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted and best overall brand for 2020. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. 
Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and it's this time of year where we're doing a lot of annual planning with our clients. We're doing a lot of strategy work, talking about the coming year. And I want to talk to you about a component of business strategy called the core purpose of your company. Your core purpose is the reason for being, and it always answers the question, what difference are we making in the world? And it goes deeper than profit or job creation. Uh, let's talk about some brands and companies that you've probably heard of before in uh, the United States and around the world and their um, core purposes. So one example I can give you is Starbucks. You're familiar with Starbucks, the coffee place, right? And their core purpose is to provide an escape from one's busy day with a personalized beverage. Disney. Disney's core purpose is creating happiness for families and friends. And then a company that maybe you heard of, maybe you haven't, but there's a company called Medtronic. And Medtronic's core purpose is to restore the health of people who can benefit from our products. Now, every one of the companies I just mentioned to you are highly profitable, and they also create a lot of jobs, but they have a higher purpose for being and making a difference in the world according to what is important to them and why they exist. Let's talk about the key attributes of a core purpose. So looking through some of my business library, I always go back to certain uh, business books with my clients time after time after time. And one of those books that I'm sure you've heard of is Good to Great. And when Good to Great was initially an idea, Jim Collins was wanting to publish his research. And so in that particular book, he really discovered in his research some important information about core purpose uh, among the 11 great companies that he identified according to his criteria. And let's talk about five of these things that he found uh, they were very consistent among all 11 companies. First thing, that they all existed for a higher purpose than just making money. The second thing was that their core purpose did not change over time, but it did inspire change. The third thing was that the core purpose allowed them to work around obstacles the fourth thing was it was very inspirational to the team. And the fifth thing was that it always centered up around what I already mentioned to you, the difference that you're making in the world. And I've talked to you about this before in regards to your brand that you have in your business. Um, if you, let, let's say that you are a power company. So that means you're providing electricity 
uh, and lights and the ability to wash your clothes and the ability to wash your dishes and those kind of things power your electrical appliances. If another electricity provider came along and gave you the same electricity at the same rate and when you flipped on the switch, the electricity was there, you really care about who provides it to you? Now, some electricity providers have done a good job of reinforcing their brand so much that people would care because of the things that they do in the community, because of um, various things they do that appeal to people from an environmental standpoint. But that's why they're called utility brands. And a utility brand is a brand that if it went away tomorrow and were replaced by someone else, no one would care. You wouldn't be missed because somebody else could come along and do what you're doing. And the thing that would cause people to care if you weren't there is called differentiation. It's the difference that you're making in the market and in the world, right? Which is a really important piece of this whole core purpose concept. I'll tell you a story about waste management. You, you recognize the name from the garbage company, right? Waste management. You've probably seen their television commercials. Well, about 15 years ago, waste management saw itself as a garbage company in a declining market. So they decided to revitalize themselves with revitalizing their core purpose. And they reinvented themselves to become, quote, the largest environmental solutions provider in North America. And when they went back and they retooled and redid their core purpose, waste management, since in that 15-year period, they have done three significant things. One is they've developed the largest network of recycling facilities in their whole industry. Two, they've developed a renewable energy capability and produced more than two times the amount of renewable energy than the solar industry in the United States. And three, they've invested heavily in developing technology to convert organic waste into high-value compost for local growers. Now, why is that so important? Because it speaks to what I just said. It's a difference they are making, and it's appealing to people uh, who see their brand, waste management. And it's uh, because they went back and they redid the core purpose of why they exist as a business. So they successfully transitioned from a mundane business of hauling people's residential garbage to becoming a valued entity in the communities that they operate because they saw their purpose as deeper and higher than making money and creating jobs. So what are the key questions you're asking yourself about this core purpose concept then? Two, I would point out to you right away, and then I've got a disclaimer and a recommendation for you. But one question is, what is it your company does today? And then why do you do that? What is it your company does today and why do you do that? Now, this is an area of your strategy. This, this is just a piece of your strategy. You, you can't build an entire strategy around this one core purpose piece, but it is a very important piece that you really want to take your time with. You don't want to go with simplistic answers like to make money, right? Frankly, this is a great example of something in your business you really need help from a good coach on to help you discover, refine, and get your core purpose in place. 
because a good coach will not allow you to go with the obvious or to steal from another company, you know, where you've got, you know, a couple of your key people, uh, on this, uh, group who's trying to do the core purpose, they will invariably go to somebody else's website and copy their positioning statement or their tagline or something like that. Oh, here's a good one. Why don't we just use this? No, 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 no. You're committing great sin because that will not differentiate you. That will make you like another company. Right. And you know, there's little integrity in that too. You're just going and taking somebody else's idea. My God, did we not get enough of that with got milk? You know, every time you turn around, somebody was this and that got this and got that. Let's not do that. Let's put in the work and let's put in the brain power to actually come up with our own authentic core purpose and not just lift it from somebody else because we like them and we want to copy their core purpose because we don't want to do the work. A good coach will keep challenging you to keep going until you get the right and authentic core purpose for your organization, because that is what is going to make the difference in your marketplace and will help you build the moat with your brand around your organization to insulate you and make you stronger. That's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Go sign up for our Monday morning memo. You'll get it from me every Monday morning. All you got to do is go to our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. It's right on the front page. We just need your name and email address, and you submit that, and you're ready to go. It'll all just happen for you. You'll get three big ideas from me every week. You'll get an article and a very key question, as if I were coaching you personally, that I would ask you, every single Monday with the Monday Morning Memo. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and at ClearVisionDEV. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and chief producer, William Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards. I hope you liked the show today, and I want to remind you, above all, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards a business leaders podcast powered by clear vision development group for more resources from tony visit clearvisiondevelopment.com join us next time for another episode of better than before with tony richards This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.